Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. What is interesting, you think of mad men all the time, those guys in bad suits in the 1960s sitting around going, it's a sensation. Bob, that works. Oh, it works. Yeah, let's run that up the flagpole, look at it from 30,000 feet and see what happens. And then let's have a drink (laughs) and a smoke, right? (laughs) Let's have them together. That's right. Where's Peggy? Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, Rock School Radio Network. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Yeah, and we're broadcasting from the campus of Southeastern Louisiana University. Got to say that. I'm going to have to go on a long walk to get to the front door to tell you why the topic is what it is today. Take me. First of all, if you remember about three or four shows ago, we did something on the Flying V guitar, sort of a happy 60th birthday. Yeah. Well, the people at Ultimate Guitar, ultimate-guitar.com, contacted me and said, we heard your podcast, which I thought was cool as anything, but they said, could you write an article on the birthday of the Flying V? In your sleep. Which I did. Uh 60 years of the iconic Gibson Flying V is what they named it. Once again, 60 years of the iconic Flying V. It posted, it's it's gotten pretty gosh darn good reviews. A couple people thought my writing was loopy, but that's welcome to my world. Well, it is loopy. I think so. Then somebody on Facebook who was at the, or runs a Les Paul, not the man, but the guitar, a Les Paul fan forum, invited me to join. So I joined. And while I was showing off my Les Paul guitars on uh, Facebook in this closed group, I thought to myself, geez, I never did anything on Les Paul, did I? And I have said numerous times on this radio show that your music sounds like your music because of Les Paul. Right. I get it. He invented the Les Paul guitar. Wait a minute, did he? No, he didn't. His name was attached to it, and we'll tell you the story about it. Did he invent the solid body guitar? Well, yeah, but... Maybe not, but we'll tell you about that. But he's attached to everything. But he's attached to everything, Mm -hmm. and although somebody can really, you know, kick and and scream and say, well, maybe this, maybe that, uh, he has other inventions that are so blatantly his. So we need to talk about, if I make the statement, your music sounds like your music because of Les Paul, I got to tell you why your music sounds like your music. You going to tell us what he invented? Exactly. That's the point. He was an inventor. I get it. He was a guitarist. He was an amazing guitarist. He had many, many hits with Chet Atkins. He had many, many hits with Mary Ford. But he was the man who made music recording sound much the way it is today. So... I got to play something. So he has a bunch of albums on his own, obviously. But then there's all these neat little tributary type albums. And I'm going to play some from the Les Paul and Friends American Made World Played. That's his first rock album. And it wasn't until like late 90s before he did it. And I mean, everybody's on it. Slash is on it. And Johnny Resnick is on it. And Joe Perry's on it. But there was also an album put together by Jeff Beck almost until the day he died. 
Once a week, Les Paul played at the Indera Club. So after he died in 2009, I believe, was it 2009? Look, 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 look. Uh, yes, August 13th, 2009. The very next year, Jeff Beck holds a concert at the Indira Club, sort of thanking Les Paul. Nice. And I have some cuts from it. No, let's play something. Jeff Beck. How about rocking is our business? Oh, I like that That one. sounds like it should be good. Here you go, Jeff Beck and a tribute to Les Paul. We'll talk about what he invented here in just a little bit on Rock School. Rockin' is our business, rockin' is what we do. Rockin' is our business, rockin' is what we do. Come on, everybody, rock and jump with you too. We got Leo on sax, Steve on drums, Al on bass, and Jason on piano. Me and Mary singing jive. Come on, everybody, gonna turn it alive. Rockin' is our business, rockin' is what we do. I said rock, rock, everybody, rock. Talking Les Paul and the inventions that he made here today on Rock School. Sort of a celebration of the man. Multiple years too late, Joe. But now most people can throw out the idea that uh, Les Paul invented the electric guitar. Well, he didn't. The electric guitar. No, it was invented by Rickenbacker. And it may even be before that. But Rickenbacker's frying pan is really what most people look at as the very first uh, electric guitar. So then somebody says, no, no, no. He invented the solid body electric guitar. Again, Rickenbacker had marketed a solid body guitar in the 30s. And there was a guy named Paul Tutmark who worked for AudioVox who had a solid body electric bass in 1935. Okay, so why is this handed to him? Well, that's the question of, is it the first song or is it the first popular song? You know what I mean? Because you get into that argument of, oh, the first rap song is this. Right. Well, no, there were rap songs before it. Yes, but this was the first hit. Right. People don't want to hear about the other ones, right? Exactly that. History will remember them. Uh Will the general public. The idea of the solid body guitar is and and anytime you look at history you're like well that's you know who cares that's nothing the idea of the solid body electric guitar was amazingly revolutionary at the time because when you started getting amplified instruments and it was gibson that started playing really around with amplified instruments i know there were other companies out there but gibson stuck these magnetic pickups which which Rickenbacker really first came up with. Right. But when they started sticking them into uh, hollow body guitars, you had what was known as a feedback problem, a feedback loop problem. You see, in a not solid body piece of wood, when you have an open guitar, you have not only the top of the pickup exposed, but the bottom side of the pickup. Gotcha. So sound goes into the top, obviously. It, it, it's more than this, but sound goes into the top. Keep it simple. But it can also go from the back. And what that does is that creates a feedback loop. Okay. So you can only turn up the amplifier so loud before that ringed out 
frequency goes just takes whoop, over. Yep. Exactly. And becomes annoying as all get out. Exactly right? that. Mm-hmm. So what happened was he, Lester Paulson, was playing. I've heard it's in Milwaukee. I've heard it's in St. Louis. I've heard it's in what have you. Everybody claims it. Exactly. But the, the idea is he was playing, as everybody else was, an amplified open body guitar, a hollow body guitar. And a note was sent up to him that said, we can hear your voice, we can hear your harmonica, we cannot hear your guitar. Because you can only turn it up so loud before it goes whoop and feeds back. Well, this cheesed him off. (laughs) So what he did was take a stock guitar neck and shove it onto a four by four piece of wood. I will teach them, doggone it. Exactly. And he needed in some way to amplify it. So he took the mouthpiece of a telephone and sort of uncoiled it out so it would go underneath each one of the strings. And thus you had it. So he had this long, thin thing. So just imagine a guitar hooked onto a four by four piece of wood doesn't look like a guitar it was not good looking was no it? he took it back and played it that night and although it amplified people were like that thing's ugly that don't play ugly. that yeah mm-hmm. so he then went and took a hollow body guitar cut the wings off of it and attached it to either side of this thing so now it looks like a guitar took it back and people loved it now you've seen it I have taken you to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and oh, yeah. there it was. Uh-huh. I and saw it. I mean, it, 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 it really looks like a piece of junk. It's like he threw it this thing. It looks like right. he picked up stuff out of the trash can and exactly. put it together. Yeah. Well, he wanders into Gibson and says to Gibson, hey, look, I have solved your problem. It's over. All of that feedback problem, all of that stuff, I have solved it. Well, they the, had to think he was an idiot. They you did. Know? They yeah. did. They referred to his guitar as the log and told him to get lost. Oh. Okay. That's where we'll stop for this part of the story because it gets better. This is where people now say, well, he invented the Les Paul guitar. No, he didn't. He invented other things, but the Les Paul guitar was something that was, you know, done in another way. Does that make sense? Are you sure about this? Guarantee it. All now, right. I'm going to play a song uh, called How High the Moon. Mm-hmm. This is he and his wife at the time, Mary Ford. Right. I talk about inventing things. A lot of people, not me, but a lot of people believe this song contains the first rock guitar solo. Right. And I'll play it and you'll obviously hear it. I'm, I'm, I go back a little bit further. I think the first rock guitar solo is by Arthur Big Boy Crudup in That's All Right Mama, but... It could very well be because this is so highly amplified compared to Big Boy Crudup. It could be. So did he also invent the lead guitar? The rock guitar lead? I don't know. You tell me. It's Les Paul on Rock School. Somewhere there's Until you will 
out of How High the Moon. Did you hear the guitar solo? Oh, how could I miss it? Now, look, it's, it's, wonderful. it's not quite... Arthur Big Boy Crudup's is not that fast, not right. that speedy, which is why a lot of people are like, look, okay, I get it. Crudup played a guitar lead, but he didn't play it like that. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 Slash-level stuff. Uh-huh. That's Van Halen-level stuff. I mean, Les Paul was an unbelievable player. Okay, so how did Les Paul come to be known as the Les Paul guitar, or verse visa of what I just said? Well, it was about 45, 1945, when they laughed him out of the room and called his little thing the log. Well, here's the problem. Almost immediately after that, Gibson starts to get its butt kicked by Fender. And Fender is doing solid body guitars, the broadcaster, the telecaster, and Uh it will go on to do the Stratocaster and such. Well, Gibson, specifically under Ted McCarty, who was the president at the time, had his engineers create a solid body guitar that they could work with. And if you look at a Les Paul, it just looks like a guitar. It has the guitar body, except they've hacked out a little cutaway right. on it. And there you have it. There's your there's your guitar. It's now five years after they laughed him out of the room and Les Paul has become an international sensation. <laughs> so they bring him back in and say to him, look, would you like to be the spokesperson for this guitar? And of course, you know, he's a musician. Yeah, of course, I'll do that. Absolutely. However, you're going to make it to my specifications. Now, depending on who you read, depending on who you talk to, some people say he redesigned the entire guitar. Gibson suggests he only made some uh, modifications to the tailpiece. And he said, I want a mahogany cap on top of it. You know how Les Pauls normally are made of one wood and then there's like a cap of very, very pretty wood, a tigered wood? That's a Les Paul idea. Plus, he also suggested that they make a line that are gold to give the impression that it is simply better than any guitar on the market. So that, everybody agrees that he did. And so the Les Paul hits the market. And I know we're on the radio, but there on my wall hanging is a reproduction of the first Les Paul advertisement. And there he stands holding the guitar. And it looks like that one's sitting over there in a guitar stand. Interestingly enough, a little bit later on, uh, he was shown without his being told that this was happening, we're going to revamp the uh, Les Paul guitar. And they did. They painted it red. They cut away the right-hand side rather than just the left-hand side. And they called it the SG. So when it was first sold, it was known as the SG Les Paul model. He never really cared for it. And it wasn't very long after that. They simply dropped the Les Paul thing. His big argument was there wasn't enough wood. Not enough wood, thus not enough resonance. Wow. And it was just simply called the SG. So trivia question. What does SG stand for in the Gibson SG? I was going to ask you because I don't know. Sounds good. Solid guitar. Solid guitar. Probably solid body guitar, but solid guitar. I like sounds good better, don't you? (laughs) There you go. Caravan. It's uh, Les Paul and also some other guy you might have heard of. I'll tell you who it is after the run. You're going rock school. Right. 
uh, right before we came into this, the first break, you were looking at that advertisement again up yeah. there. Now, that's a reproduce. That's that's not one of the originals. Right. But you were laughing at the fact that it says, the Les Paul model. It's a sensation. It could have only been better to spell sensation, S-I-N. But there it you go, yeah. What is interesting, you think of mad men all the time, those guys in bad suits oh, in the 1960s yeah, sitting yeah, yeah, around yeah. going... It's a sensation. Bob, that works. Oh, it works. Yeah, let's run that up the flagpole. Look at it from 30,000 feet and see what happens. And then let's have a drink (laughs) and a smoke, right? Let's have them together. That's right. Where's Peggy? Get Peggy in here. (laughs) All right. Uh, Here we are in the first break. You want a neat little piece of trivia to throw around, you guitarist types? What was the very first... Now, this is from Les Paul. What was the very first invention he ever came up with? And you think it's got to be something to do with the guitar. It has to do with something electric, I would think. Nope, 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 nope. Okay, a toaster, what? Wouldn't it be neat if it was a toaster? It would be awesome. But it is not. It was the halo, ladies and gentlemen. Wait, what? You know what a halo is? That's sort of a nickname for the thing that goes around the back of your neck and then holds your harmonica in place so you can play the guitar no, and the harmonica at the same time. Yep, he was uh, the inventor of that. Nice. I, <laughs> if you look it up, it doesn't quite look like the ones you see today, but the fact still remains. It hung around his neck. It kept the harmonica where it should be. And an interesting thing as well, from what I've read, he is an unbelievably good whistler. And he has the, right, I don't remember the name of it, but there's the ability when you whistle to sort of carry two notes. Yeah. Every so often I'm able to do it because you puff out your cheek as you blow. You think you do, but you really don't. But you you (laughs) flutter the note by puffing out your cheek. Oh, I think your dad does it when he whistles. He does. My dad can do it. And it's one of those skills that, wow, if you can whistle and do that. Well, see, people don't whistle like they used to. That's true. That's People, true. Because they were, you know, they just walked down the uh, hall whistling, right? <laughs> Who's listening to us oh, here on dear. the Rock School Radio Show? See. Put your beer down and Shh. pick up the piece of paper. KNHS in Lafayette, Louisiana. Super. Back in a minute to talk more about Les Paul on Rock School. out of the break, I have said numerous times on this radio station that your music sounds like your music because of Les Paul. So let's get into those inventions that shaped the way music is recorded today. It doesn't matter if it's analog. It doesn't matter if it's digital. The things that he invented are still being used today. Now, how you achieve it has changed. Okay. But the fact still remains everyone is doing it today. And let's begin with the idea of sound on sound. This is the idea of I'll record a track and then I can run the tape back or I can run the digital equivalent back and I can play another piece of music while listening to the original piece that I recorded. Right. So I put down a guitar track, I can come back, lay in a second guitar track, I can come back in again, lay down a lead, then I can come back in again, lay down the vocals, bass, drums. When I say that, you know, on our Christmas albums and the albums I've put together, when I say that I play every instrument, I really do. And it's the idea of back it up, listen to what's been recorded, and play at the same time. Okay, so how did Les Paul invent it? Well, he, Les Paul, and the way it used to be done was sort of live. Oh, you hear that? 
That's thunder. It's raining outside. Les Paul. That's Les Paul. He's happy with what we're doing. Or very, very angry. (laughs) It used to be that you would either cut directly to acetate, which meant don't make a mistake because it's there. We can't fix it. And it cost a lot of money, right? Exactly that. Mm -hmm. And you would get, or you would get cut to tape. Right. Now you could always start it again, but still the fact remains, don't make a mistake. We got to do it right. Here's what happened. Les Paul recorded a song with Bing Crosby and disliked how it sounded because he said there was no, quote, space. It didn't have the openness that songs did, which meant it was probably recorded in mono. So what he did, he wanted to be able to alter at all points in time. He did it by taking multiple reel-to-reels and stacking them on top of one another. He would also do what's known as bouncing. So he'd take a reel-to-reel, he'd record a a piece to it, then he'd have another reel-to-reel. So he'd start playing the second reel-to-reel, listen to the first one as he recorded onto the second. That's called a bounce. I gotcha. And then he would take those two tracks and record back to the first one with three. Bop, 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 bop. And if you continue doing that, I mean, you can go on forever. Right. A lot of that's the way Sgt. Pepper's was recorded. Okay? Then he got into working with the people at Ampeg, and the creation of an eight-track recorder was created. So now you don't have to bounce. What you have is an audio head and a thicker tape going across it that has literally eight heads on it. For eight different things. For eight different tracks on the same piece of audio tape. And then by throwing buttons at the time, you either said, I want the the, the head to be playback or I want it to be record. And it depended on, by doing that, it, it, it changed the amount of flux, it's called, that shot into the audio tape. And that's from Les Paul. Wow. All of that is from Les Paul. Please tell me he made lots of money on uh, you those techniques. I have no idea what his worth was. I don't think he cared. As long as he could perform. Well, that means you got plenty, right? Yeah, I guess so. As long as you could perform, be happy, and keep going. And we're not done. Other things happen. There is an album called Les Paul and Friends, American Made, American Played, and it's with all kinds of rock stars. He made his first rock and roll album when he was in his 90s. Here you go. This is him with Billy Gibbons, Les Paul, Bad Case of Loving You on Rock School. As we talk about the inventions of Les Paul, here's an interesting one. Ribbed guitar picks. Really? Yes. If you look at like old Fender picks, it's not even old. I mean, Fender still makes them. But those tortoise shell picks that are multiple colors of brown in the same pick. And then they made them into triangles. Why triangles? Because they were sort of plasty. And if you snapped it, you could take a triangle, turn it, and now you got a whole brand new pick. Right. And then somebody created, I'm going to say Jim Dunlap, but I'm probably not right about that. Created these nylon picks. They're impossible to break. Oh, yeah. There's a whole thing full of them right there. And they make it in the... the, uh, washer and dryer so well don't they but the thing is as they were smooth Uh they were hard to grip and any guitarist will tell you as you're playing if the pick sort of what they call wanders and the tip the the little plextrum gets out of the way it's hard to do it so what les paul was doing was either gluing or taping pieces of sandpaper 
to the side of the pick. Oh my goodness. So he could hold it. Wow. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yes, indeed. And a lot of people make this statement that it's because of that that you buy these new picks and they have either a different coarseness to them or they have uh, some kind of raised elements and such. But it was Les Paul that again came up with the grippable pick. <laughs> of all the things, ladies and gentlemen. All right, bottom of the hour. I'm Joe Burns. You I are? I am Tammy Burns. These are the rock and roll dates, January 29th through uh, February 4th. Welcome to February 2018. I believe you have Monday. Go. On January 29th, 1989, Billy Joel sings the U.S. National Anthem at Super Bowl 23 in Miami. I like that it's written the U.S. National Anthem as if he came out and did the Czechoslovakian National Anthem. Stop. Whoops, sorry. I didn't know the playlist. Uh, January 30th, 2014, Poison lead singer Brett Michael introduces his new line of cologne, Roses and Thorns. Ooh, stinky. Ew. Am I going to smell like Brett Michaels? Ooh. January Gosh. 31st, 1999, Cher sings the national anthem yeah. at Super Bowl 33. Something in no, Miami. No, I added it up. Oh, did Shut you? up. 33 in Miami. Stevie Wonder performs at the halftime show. February 1, 2009, Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band perform at the halftime show during the Super Bowl. February 2, 1993, Willie Nelson settles his $17 million tax debt with Gosh. the U.S. Uh, Internal Revenue Service by paying them $9 million in cash and assets already seized. About that. February 3rd, 1980, Studio 54 throws its last bash with Diana Ross and Andy Warhol, Richard Gere, before the owners, Steve Rubel and Ian Schrager go to jail for tax evasion. <laughs> when they, you should read the story. Of, we should do something on the story of 54. Yes, indeed. When it was over, they tore out the walls yeah. and saran-wrapped piles of money and saran-wrapped bags yes, of cocaine indeed. fell out of the wall. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, February 4th, 1977, Fleetwood Mac releases Rumors. The LP sets a record for most weeks at number one. With 31, it will be defeated, but back then it ruled the roost. Let's play another one from that wonderful Jeff Beck album that was created at the Indira Club. It's called The Rock and Roll Party, honoring Les Pauls from 1927. 1927, jeez, 2027. I didn't, I didn't know that Jeff Beck was that old. Here's 20 Flight Rocks, Brian Setzer along with Jeff Beck on Rock School. Hold her tight But she lives on the 20th floor of town The elevator's broken down So I walk on to flat Get to the top I'm too tired to Coming into the second break Let's talk about three things that he invented I, I say he invented it These things exist already it's just the idea of how do I create them? I mean, if you want an echo, you can go to a canyon and go, hey, and it's going to come back at you. Right. If you go into a large room, you're going to have reverb. If you take two microphones and you have them too far away from the source, like one is 10 feet and one's three feet, yeah. you're going to have a phase problem. So all these things existed. It's just it was he, Les Paul, that decided and figured out how to capture them. Did he give it the name? Phase. No, reverb and, and delay had been there. Phase is the idea of two audio signals being literally out of phase. 
with one another. As a matter of fact, those who set up systems will tell you a lot of times they'll use uh, either a tape measure or they'll use an electronic thing that you point at and it tells you distance. Right. You need those microphones exactly the same distance because if they get too far out, not only will they go out of phase, they'll go out of phase so far that they'll cancel one another. Nice. And you'll have nothing. And you say, that's crap. Oh, it's happened to me. Because I'm an idiot and didn't measure the microphones. Wow. Yep. So delay, reverb, and phase are all from less. Every guitar pedal board has these things, but he's the one that figured out how to capture it. The idea of reverb, what he decided was, and, and anytime you talk reverb, you're talking space. I want more reverb. Well, what does that do? Gives the impression you're in a bigger space. Gotcha. We recorded, we recorded a song I wanted to sound like a gospel choir. Mm-hmm. And then I did what was known as soaking it with reverb. Anything that doesn't have an effect on it is called dry. You put an effect on it, it's called wet. And if you put a lot of effect on it, you soak it. Gotcha. So I soaked it with reverb. Why? So it would sound like it was in a big giant church. So it gives the impression of size. And it was Les Paul that talked about the idea of, let's go into this room. Let's go into this room. Let's send the signal back into the board so you can re-energize it. And you get the slap back thought process. He did that first. Natural reverb, he figured out, was done in a square room. And it was him that suggested singing in a bathroom or a subway tunnel was the best way to go about it. Nice. Yeah, the doo-wop groups of the 50s did yeah, just that. Down exactly. In, down into the New York you know, subway system because everything was covered in tile. Right. So to clean it, they could go in and just hit it with a pressure washer. The last house we lived in had Uh the greatest bathrooms in the world to to, uh, sing in. Do you remember that? That's right. It was square and tile. Yep. Square and tile. And tile everywhere. What do you think she'd do if we went back there now to like sing a song in that bathroom? (laughs) I think she'd be fine with it. Now, delay and phasing. Delay is the idea of a sound being created and then its echo comes right back. And what he would do is use two tapes to do it. You could make it so that when you look at a tape recorder, there is what they call ERP, erase, record, play. The heads, erase, record, play. Okay. So what you do is you set the record off from the play and have them both acted. So the moment the sound is recorded, then it goes across the playhead, is grabbed, and you feed that back in. And you do that with a consistent sound. It fattens it. It delays it. It makes it sound like more than it is. Wow. Now, for phase, boy, you're going through this quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Take two recorders. Uh Uh-huh. Record exactly the same sound in both recorders. This is how Les did it. It's done differently now, but this is how Les did it. Take two recorders, record them both at the same time, then play them back with one of them slightly behind the other one. Now, how do you do that? Well, there are these things called vary speeds on on reel-to-reels. So you don't have to go this amount of inches per second down to this amount. You can play with it just a little bit. So what you do is you have something at the beginning that goes, get those synced up, and then you know when the sound is coming. You take one of them and you turn the vary speed down just a touch and then bring it back. So now you know one of them is behind the other one just a bit. And what it does is every sound wave goes up, down, up, down, up, down, right? There's more to it than that, but it goes up, down, up, down, up, down. Right. If you get those out of phase, that idea of going up, down is off, and it goes... Makes it all wavy gravy. The Beatles did that a lot, didn't they? A ton. Yeah. Absolute ton. But... 
you know, now you can just step on a thing. Eddie Van Halen lived for it. Well, when he was a young man, he would the step dude on the phaser. Who's just stepping on, uh, you know, not really even play? Uh, is he playing instruments? Who's the, that? The, the, the kid, the redheaded kid who... Oh, Ed Sheeran? Ed Sheeran, yes. And you think to yourself, no, no, no. Bless Paul didn't have anything to do with that recording as you're playing thing. Yeah, he did. Ed Sheeran should go thank him. But anyway, there you go. Delay, reverb, and phase. All from Les Paul, and it was all a tape What trick. a man, what yep. a man. Oh, I'm not done yet. There's more. we really? got to take a break. Who else is listening to us? Oh. And man, this went for a long, long break. But oh who else gosh. is listening Let's to us? Let's see. That would be uh, WMCE and Erie PA. Superb. Is Back- it cold there? I hope so. Ooh. Back in a minute on Rock School. the break the guitar pickup is generally given over as an invention of Les Paul when he was having trouble getting the guitars to be picked up he would try all these different things now this was some before the log and some after the log what he did was had these hollow body guitars and as you read all these things online he took a phonograph needle (laughs) and stuck it inside of the guitar. Did it work? Probably, but it probably didn't give a very good sound. The way a phonograph needle works is a cantilever, which is a a needle at the end of what looks like a seesaw. Right. And then there are a couple of magnets on either side of the seesaw, and as it's being pulled through the record, it's bouncing and being thrown to side to side. Digging in the grooves, huh? Right, and what that does is disrupts the electrical signal between the magnets. Did that work inside of an electric guitar? I don't doubt it to a point, but what he started to do then was tear apart the speaker system, which was inside of a telephone, which then finally made him arrive at a coil and a magnet, creating the conventional guitar pickup. Now he then found, and this is the idea of physics, you know, Pythagoras. Yes. As in the Pythagorean theorem. That's the only thing I know. A squared plus B squared equals. Well, Pythagoras also came up with the idea that sound is motion. The idea that when you pluck a guitar string, he was a lute string, instead of it going straight up and down, it goes in a circle. Yeah. And that circle, if you take that circle, cut it in half so it can, what they call, you know, populate or prosper. That means half on the top, half on the bottom, half on the top. And it creates this thing called a sound wave okay. going that way towards the listener right. or this way toward the listener because it goes out at 365 degrees. It radiates, which is why radio is called radio, blah, blah, blah. But the idea of the sound wave being picked up, he, Les Paul, realized that not only did the string mm-hmm. move, yeah. but the top of the guitar moved. So if you made the guitar solid then the top of the hollow body guitar had no way of moving so that got rid of more feedback and reverb problem wow and you think to yourself oh everybody knows that no no everybody didn't know that do you think he ever slept he's got to have one of those brains 
I, I don't you know, know how the stop. guy ever stopped <laughs> looking at anything without trying to think, oh, okay, I can do that better. You, you got know? it. Les Paul and Friends, American Made, World Played. That's the name of the rock album he did. He was in his 90s when he did it. Here is he, Joss Stone, and Sting. Love sneaking up on you. It's Les Paul and Rock School. I told you, I, I, what I'm telling you are the overriding ideas. If he played around with reverb, he just didn't do it and go, well, there, I've invented reverb. You realize there was all kind of mastications of reverb all the way around. And it's not the question of, I've invented reverb. No, you haven't. Rooms exist with reverb. It's the question of, how in the world do I make it happen on purpose? The idea of, you know, what was the first distorted guitar? Well, it was this. Well, the problem is they were hurting their amplifiers. How can I make that happen without hurting the amplifier? Right. Feedback. There is a, a pedal made by Fender that's called the feedback pedal. You feed back into an amplifier, you got a real good chance of blowing that cone. So how do I create it without hurting the amplifier? There's, um, oh, what's his name? The guy from Tom Schultz. He had a thing called the power soak which was a brilliant invention. A guitar really screams, you know, when it gets nice and high. It just, it has so much gut power. The problem is you're also harming your amplifier. You got that sucker turned up to 11. So what you could do with this power soak was turn it up, get it where you want it, and then pull the whole thing back. And it would reproduce it. Oh, it's a brilliant invention, but it, it's this stuff by Les Paul that's amazing. You talked about the idea of Ed Sheeran. He would play something, step on yeah. a repeating box, and step right. on a repeating box. Right, if right. you go to lespaul.com, L-E-S hyphen P-A-U-L.com, he's on stage and he says, okay, here's a thing I, I helped, had, a, had a hand in inventing. And it's this black box that's stuck on the back of his guitar. Uh -huh. And he went, now listen, chucka 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 and it began to play yeah. and he went over top of it and he began to play with this isn't going to come out right he began to play with himself uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was he against he live wow and you say to yourself well you know Ed Sheeran does that yeah but Les did it way back then oh yeah it's, it's that idea of, is Eddie Van Halen the greatest guitarist? I say yes, and people make the statement, well, you know, a good guitarist, everything Eddie does is within that guitarist's reach. Yeah, but Ed did it first, <laughs> out of whole cloth, which is, which is what Les Paul's selling point is. I want to tell you one more idea, or one more little story. He almost died before he had a chance to get started. You see, what he did was when he was playing live, this was back in 1941, when he was playing live, he had a little transmitter, as in radio transmitter, yeah. that he set up. So he would go do a gig and he'd do the radio transmitter and would play and then send it out as a pirate radio signal. He had the guitar in his hand, walked over, and the guitar is electrified. Oh, dear. So he reached over and did something oh, with the with yes. the transmitter. It completed the circuit. Yes, it did. Every, yeah, electricity must be in a circle. It just can't go to an end and stop. Yep. It completed the circuit, and he was being shocked at 110. <laughs> it, right. It was his 
it was his here bassist Ernie Newton that kicked him. Oh my god! Off of the thing, but we almost lost him right there. Now we've I think we've told the story before, but he had a big giant car accident as well and had his right hand set so he could play the guitar. But he almost was electrocuted in 1941. <laughs> you know, you almost lost me. Uh, Do you remember? Have I, you ever told you that story? Oh, yeah, yeah. I you was became, a, you completed a circuit. Yeah, right. I, knew I you was did. at a radio station, five thousand watt AM radio station. There were two exposed wires, and because I'm an idiot, I stuck my finger between That's the two. That's before I knew you. That's true. That was a good thing. It threw me. Had to have been eight, ten feet. Had to make you smarter, right? Flat on my back. I got to tell you what. I had a burn mark <laughs> down the left side of my index finger and down the right side of my English index finger, about four inches long. It. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it is kind of funny. I know. It's ridiculously stupid. (laughs) Why would you do... But what's funny is... It was the it was the uh, power coming off of the AM tower, and uh-huh. I, I know I'm way off topic here. FM tire towers aren't hot. You could bite them if you wanted, right? But an AM tower is hot. Don't touch. You know that little thing Wait, about wasn't, the. Wasn't there a big sign there that said? No, there wasn't. Oh, come on. No, there wasn't. There was one wire that was coming up, and it it came out, and then it took a hard Uh, right and went straight up. And then about an inch away from it was another one that was up and then went down and took off. Oh, my god! And I touched one of them, and I touched the other one. (gasps) Nothing happened. And I thought, what the heck? So I stuck my finger in the middle. That completed the circuit. Thank you, folks. Thank (laughs) you very much. Boom. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to tell you what. I didn't go to the hospital because I'm an idiot, but... Well, there was no urgent care, and that's, you were in the middle of, of what, Pennsylvania at the that's, time? Yeah, that's scared me. Amish care. That scared me to death. I knew I was going to die. I knew I was going to go deaf. So that wraps it up. Hey, thank you, Les Paul. I should have done this a long time ago. This was way, 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 way overdue. So we're going to wrap up with some more Les Paul and Chet Atkins. If you remember early in the show, I said, Les Paul and some other guy. I'll tell you who it was yeah. later. Uh, it was Chet Atkins. And so we're going to do some more Les Paul and nice. Chet Atkins. And that'll wrap it up. I'm Joe Burns. I'm Tammy Burns. And, uh... I don't know. Am I smarter because I had a 5,000-watt radio station go through me? You better be. Whoa, that hurt. Back in a minute. Oh, now we're done, aren't we? That's it. Class is dismissed. Why?